Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are on episode 80, eight to the zero Today, we got a great show for you. Today, we are talking about uh, a little bit about selling from stage. We're going to get into that today. This is something that I hear from some students that are interested in learning more about this, whether you want to sell a book or some type of product. Maybe you want to sell some type of high-end coaching or consulting or a high-end training course or, or curriculum. We're going to be talking about that today. Hey, before we get into it, let me quickly remind you, if you haven't already, you're going to want to register for uh, one of our upcoming free online trainings where we are teaching all about how to find and book speaking engagements. So to do that, you can go over to freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. Register for the next free training that we've got. And uh, we would love, love, love to have you come hang out with us. All right, today we are talking with my buddy Cole Hatter, who's teaching us all about how to sell from stage. So uh, this is going to be a great conversation. So let's get right into it, my friends. Here we go. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by my buddy Cole Hatter, where we're talking all about the speaking business. And Cole does a lot of speaking in a lot of different ways, some short, traditional keynote type stuff, but then also some multi-day seminar, does a lot of selling from stage as well. So we're going to get into that. So Cole, what's up, brother? How are you today? Doing awesome, man. How you doing, bro? Doing well. Appreciate you hanging out with us. So we actually had you on the previous podcast on how did you get into that, episode 121. We will link up to that in the show notes if people want to hear more about your story and journey. You've got crazy, crazy story. So I would encourage people to definitely go back and listen to that one. Again, that's episode 121 of the How Did You Get Into That podcast. But let's start with this. Just give us kind of a big picture view of speaking, what speaking looks like for you today, and kind of how speaking fits into your business. Yeah, absolutely. And and I always start by saying, you know, I started in business first, I think, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, is that a lot of people romanticize about being a speaker and forget that you have to know what you're talking about. And right. it's it's not just a matter of being given a microphone and winging it. You have to be an expert in whatever it is you're teaching an audience in. So my speaking career started in the, in the school of hard knocks in the trenches of being an entrepreneur and focusing and building businesses and having successes and failures in that that now gives me the ownership or the credibility of speaking from stage about what success and failure looks like in my career. And, you know, that involves all things, pretty much investing from real estate to startups and angel investing, and then just scaling businesses. I talk a lot about, I've sold one. So within the realm of entrepreneurship is typically the topic. And then when I'm getting pretty focused, it's usually on how to grow a business or how to invest. And so I continue to run my businesses to this day. And that's basically what I talk about on stage, like you said, from anywhere from on the shortest, maybe a 30 to 45 minute keynote and, and the longest, like you said, multi-day marathon style, 27 hours at a time, which is why my voice is a little hoarse right now. I just finished clocking 27 hours yesterday on stage, so uh, still recovering, but that's basically it, man. I just love inspiring people and teaching them through my successes and failures how to navigate their careers as an entrepreneur. 
Is speaking the primary bread and butter of, or just revenue source right now? Is there anything else that you're doing that makes up business? So speaking is a large portion of where my revenue comes from. And, you know, we can talk about what that looks like. But as far as my time, it's not. I still actually run my businesses. So if you look at my AGI, my adjusted gross income on my tax return, many of those dollars does come from speaking. But also much of it still comes from my businesses because, again, I do both. Gotcha. Okay. So how did you get into speaking? I know you that you mentioned that the, you know, you had some uh, just business experience, you go through the school of hard knocks, but at what point did you decide like, Hey, this would be something that would be worth talking about? Like what were some of those early steps you took to get going? So I, you know, I think that some of us are drawn to the stage and others aren't. I've heard that the greatest fear is public speaking, right? But then there's those of us like you and I, and your listeners that are drawn to the stage. We don't have a fear. We like, like, Give me a microphone. We're the the weird ones. Yeah, give me a microphone and put some lights on me and I come to life. So I've had that in me. And early in my entrepreneurial career, I started at 21. And, you know, we don't need to get into that story. That's on your other podcast of car accident turned me into an entrepreneur because I was in a wheelchair for a while and I had to make money on my own. And so as I started having success in the early ages of 20, 21, 22, you know, people thought it was a cool story and said, hey, you know, at my format, seminar, whatever it is, do you want to just grab a microphone and share 10, 15, 20 minutes about your journey of having been in a wheelchair to now having success? And I was like, you bet. Give me a freaking microphone. Let's do this. And so it started kind of impromptu, just on a whim. And then when I was on stage, something inside me fired up, you know, being able to educate and train an audience and lead them to making decisions that empower them to create whatever it is they're looking for, a better lifestyle, better, you know, work-life balance or more income or whatever it is, right? Something inside of me got fired up that I could be a catalyst for massive change in their life. And so I started pursuing that. And instead of only when I was asked to speak, I started asking, hey, can I speak for you for free? And a lot of times as I was getting experience, I would lose money. Like I live in Southern California. I would pay to fly to like Phoenix was the biggest event I'd ever spoken to in my early career. There's like 1,200 people there. And they said, yeah, they'd give me 45 minutes. So I booked my own flight. I flew out to Phoenix, paid for my own hotel room, got on stage and spoke for free because now I had that experience, that credibility and that quote unquote resume builder of having been on that stage in front of that size of an audience. And so I did that for a while. I really, really worked on perfecting my craft until eventually a few years in, people started saying, Cole, we'll pay you now to come out and talk. And fast forward, uh, you know, here I am now today where I not only have those one off, hey, Cole, can you come speak for us? But I actually have signed contracts with a couple of different businesses where I commit to X amount of speaking engagements per year already in the bag. January 1st, I've already signed that contract. I know how many times I'll be speaking for that company. And so, you know, it's turned into a fun passion of mine that also obviously is like you asked a huge source of where my income comes from. And, you know, I think it complements my business as well. And it keeps me fresh. As you know, speaking on stage, you've got to know what you're talking about. And so something about teaching makes me better at doing. And so the fact that I'm always on stage teaching entrepreneurs, it makes me always like, you know, mastering my craft as a business owner as well. And so I, have found as a fringe benefit of being a speaker, not just do cool checks come in, but it keeps me on my game in my personal life as well, which is in business life, which is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that you kind of referenced there was one of those first big gigs that you did flying out to Phoenix, going out there, speaking for free, going out there on your own dime. So on paper, you lost money, but how important were some of those early free speaking engagements for you? Because I think a lot of times there's this misconception for speakers that, well, if you're speaking for free, you're not a real speaker, right? You're just doing it out of the goodness of your heart. But it sounds like for you, like that there were some real benefits to speaking for free in certain in the right type of settings. Yeah, and I think that's important. You know, today I make 
a top. I'm one of the top paid speakers in the country for sure, just based off dollars alone. But uh, it didn't start that way. And, you know, there's so many people that look at even in entrepreneurship, the successful person. I know I'm a huge fan of Gary. I think you are as well. Gary Vaynerchuk, he's a friend of mine. And his big push, if you've watched any of his social media lately, is, you know, everyone like wants to be me, but they don't know I've been doing this since 1996. Like I didn't even put a camera in front of me until 2008. And there's all this unseen lost thousands and thousands of hours of Gary just freaking in the grind to be the Gary Vaynerchuk he is today where we all see him and assume he's always been successful. I think realistic expectations is important for a speaker. You're not going to decide today that you want to be a paid professional speaker and get a paid gig tomorrow. You got to pay the dues, put in the time. And so, you know, I think it was absolutely critical for me to build that credibility to go to these events where, again, on paper, I lost money, but from an experience standpoint built that credibility that launched my ultimately my career and so if somebody already just based on who they are like Elon Musk right he did so well in business that people are already willing to pay him money right out the gate and I recently reread Tony Shea's book Delivering Happiness and yeah. he went and built Zappos and made it a billion dollar acquisition through Amazon and then last started speaking, people were willing to pay him for that. So if you're in that position that you've made so many gazillions of dollars that people right out the gate will pay you, then right on. But for people like you and I, Grant, that just grind our way into this, it's about paying those dues. And so I would say take any speaking gig, you can. I mean, I was talking to audiences at like luncheons for literally like as small as like 20 people in my early career, 23, 24 as a speaker where, you know, someone would have like an investor luncheon and I would drive up, you know, it'd be local. I wouldn't fly to something like that. Right. But it would be within a 20, 30 minute drive of where I live. And I'd show up there and while 20 people are eating lunch and paid whatever, 50 bucks to be there, lunch included, I would be the quote unquote keynote. And I'd stand there without even a microphone, just in front of 20 something people eating lunch and talk to them about whatever the subject or content matter was. And so those were the only reason where I am today. And so I guess that was a long answer to your question, but how important or critical was it? Absolutely crucial for me because, again, I didn't have that individual brand like a, you know, whoever would have, like a, an Elon Musk would have. I had to earn the right to get paid to be on stage. Well, I'm glad you brought up someone like, you know, someone like Gary or any of the speakers that we would look up to admire and speakers, entrepreneurs, you know, fill in the blank that we look up and respect. And sometimes we just think like that just magically happens, but you don't. And same for a speaker, like you see, you know, some of the best speakers on stage, you're like, golly, they're just naturally good or they have something that I don't have. And realize like there are hours and hours and hours behind the scenes that you never see and, and plenty of gigs that did not go well and that they bombed and then it just went off the rails and that just didn't click with the audience or whatever happened. And I know you and I have both had those experiences, some that go really, really well. And thankfully, most of them today go better than that. But there's certainly some early on and still some today that just don't go well. And those are the things that definitely help you to improve and become better as a speaker over time. Absolutely. Yeah, it's totally it's about I mean, they say practice makes perfect. Well, I don't know that I'll ever be a quote unquote perfect speaker, right? There's always room to grow. I don't think you ever quote unquote arrive in anything in life. I think that's what makes entrepreneurship so exciting is because you always want to be better. But putting in and clocking hours is definitely important. Absolutely. Yes. Let's shift gears for a second. So you do a lot of keynotes, but then you also do these seminars, these three-day seminars, you said these 27-hour marathons, which is most of the speaking I do is going to be more of the one-hour block. So basically keynotes, workshops, an hour, maybe an hour and a half. So the idea of doing three nine-hour days just sounds miserable and brutal. So kind of talk us through what does that look like and what space or industry is that and what are you talking about in those sessions and kind of give us an overview of what a three-day seminar is like. Yeah. So, I mean, before we get into the content, just you just talked about sounds grueling and brutal. It is 
mental. It's totally, yeah. I remember when I started, it is a mental game. Your brain is playing tricks on you because your feet can stand for nine hours sure. and your voice, your vocal cords won't give out. You know, you get hoarse like I am right now, but this is after 27 hours. I still sounded at least this clear on stage. And, and I think that's also like your vocal cords kind of get muscles, like people sure. who are in rock bands and tour around and sing every night or whatever, right? So, so there's definitely some physical conditioning, I guess, but it's mostly mental conditioning and mental preparation. And so- I go two and a half hours, 10 minute break, two and a half hours, lunch, two and a half hours, 10 minute break, two and a half hours, and I'm done. That's basically how my event goes. And so for me to mentally get around it, I basically just plan out those two and a half hours, pace myself, memorize or, or get really good at the content and then just reset. So that's how I do it from like a grueling standpoint is I don't look at it as 27 hours. Like if you're at the bottom of Mount Everest looking to the top, you'll never make it. Right. You get to the top going one step at a time. And so I go one session at a time. I remember my first few events when I picked up this contract where I was going nine hours at a time. I remember thinking to myself, okay, I've only got to go two and a half hours. Only got to go two hours. Then I get a 10 minute break. All right. Only got to go two and a half hours. So Maybe that helps somebody who might be in that space help wrap their mind around it. As far as context, one of my primary businesses and the first one I ever started was as a real estate investor. And we talked about that on your other podcast. And so at 21 in a wheelchair, having recovered, and just so any audience of yours on this podcast that didn't hear the last one, I'm fine today. I'm not in a wheelchair. But for about a year after a car accident, I was in physical recovery, learning how to walk again. And so that's when I started buying, selling, and flipping houses because I could do that whether my legs you know, ever fully recovered or not which again, I'm glad to say they have. And so I started flipping houses and I've done that forever since literally 2005 when I became an entrepreneur. And so for the company that I'm contracted to speak at for these 27 hour gigs, three, nine hour days, it's a real estate, basically educational workshop. And so people to come to my event have bought tickets to be there. We sell tickets to these events via infomercials on TV or Pandora ads, radio ads, Facebook ads, all those types of advertisements, you know, mass marketing to get people to buy tickets to come and show up. And I teach for three days and it's basically a fulfillment event to get their money's worth. I'm teaching them 27 hours. And then Within it, the second half of day two, I make an offer for them to buy the company I speak for's, you know, long-term one, two, or three-year educational program, you know, that ranges in, in investment from anywhere from twenty to fifty thousand bucks. And uh, obviously, much of the audience does. Much of the audience isn't in the financial position to do so, but they feel stoked because for what they paid for to be at that event, they've gotten more than enough content in the three days. It's not just a big sell-a-thong, which, you know, I've gone to those before and those are cool, like wealth annex stuff where it's only 90 minutes, then something sold, 90 minutes, then something sold. You know, out of 27 hours, I'm only talking about the product for maybe 75 minutes of it. Yeah. And they're just receiving so much value in what I'm teaching. They want more of it. So they go and buy it in the back of the room if they're in the financial position to do so. And so that's basically it for those big, long marathons is specific to building a business and the entrepreneurial traits it takes to succeed as a real estate investor, and then some of the nuts and bolts of how to market, how to negotiate, how to acquire properties, how to raise money, and then everything in between. So that's what I teach. And then, you know, I really enjoy it. And it's easy because it's what I do, right. you know, all day long. As soon as you and I finish this podcast, that's what I got to go do. Cool. Okay. So one thing I'm curious about though, is the, let's talk a little bit more about the context of that kind of that arrangement that you have with this. It sounds like a real estate company. So they are doing a lot of the advertising, the marketing, the promotion, putting on the event itself. Your job is just to come in and speak. So a couple of things, like, is that the general idea of it? How did you get that gig in the first place? And what does that arrangement kind of look like? Yeah. And you nailed it. That's exactly what happens. This is their company. I'm actually a student of theirs. So 
you know, for this to be duplicatable, I actually went to their seminar five years ago and bought their product because it's a real estate investment product and benefited from it tremendously, did well, and then uh, had the opportunity to give back to their community by actually training on their stages. And so the way that it works is they essentially fill the rooms for me. I show up to an event that's already been booked. They pay for my airplane and they pay for my hotel room to get there. And essentially, I get paid a percentage of whatever the students in the room buy. And so that will fluctuate, but it's obviously worth my time based on the size of the event and how many buy. And so the way that I got the job or the opportunity to do this is kind of a fun story. The CEO of this company is huge. He's mega successful. He's had multiple reality shows about him. He's kind of hard to get a hold of. But once I was just a student of thousands in his audience, I at least knew that I might be able to get his attention because I at least bought his program. I'm not just a random person on the street. And so, you know, this is something that I would encourage people to do. It's kind of one of my favorite stories of quote unquote success I've ever had. As an attendee in his workshop, having done, you know, a bunch of speaking myself at this point, this is five years into my career, I'd probably spoken, I don't know, 75, 80 times by the time I was sitting in his event. I thought of probably a hundred ways that his event or even his real estate product could be better in a complimentary way, not in a, hey, you suck and, you know, fix this, but in a, dude, everything's awesome and I'm really happy and I really enjoyed this, but have you ever thought about this, right? And I thought of a basically like a hundred ideas. And then I knew that if I sent him this email with a hundred different ideas and he'd never read it, it would take too long. And I also wanted to be in the front of his mind. So I literally sent him an email every three or four days with just three or four ideas because I wanted him to see my name all the time popping up in his inbox. And when he clicked on it to have nothing but value, never asked for anything. I just said, you know, here's a couple of things that you could do that would be even better. Basically, boom, 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 boom. And then three days later, another one. Two days later, another one. Five days later, another one. Finally, literally like six weeks of this without ever getting a response. I didn't know if he was deleting it or was going to junk mail, but I didn't care. I finally get a reply from this guy that says, I have 60 minutes next week available. If you can be here, I'll give them to you. So I cleared my schedule. I went down to his office and I sat with him for 60 minutes and brought my best content of quote unquote, as a speaker, what I thought he could do better. And then I challenged him. And in that, I did ask, I said, hey, you know what? I know that I can do what your speaker did at the event I participated. I know I have the skill set. I know I have the experience in this industry to be credible. I'm not just going to read a real estate book. I know that I own this. I live this business and I have the speaking background giving my shot. And he's like, yeah, well, finally, through some negotiation, I got him to give me a shot. And I basically said, if I don't become your best speaker, not only can you fire me, I'll pay you back every dollar you ever paid me. So I put it on the line. I yeah, said, no risk. Of, everyone, of everyone who's already speaking, if I'm not the best, I will pay you back every dollar you pay me along the way and resign. And sure enough, that year I was the number one speaker for the company. And so now four years into that, I have a contract with them every single year for, again, the amount of gigs that I'll speak for. And so that's how I got it was, number one, five years of A, doing the business at a high level and B, speaking almost always for free which put me in the position of having the ability to have that ask because this same guy gets pitched on speaking literally every single day because it's, you know, it's basically keeping it somewhat vague, speaking for this company seven figures a year for me. So it's when we talk about, you know, selling from stage and what the audience buys, my quote unquote commission accumulates to over the year over seven figures. And so it's a large part of my income. It's not all of it, but it's 
literally from speaking, like 99% of where my money comes from is this one contract alone. And so everybody wants it because why wouldn't you want to make a million bucks a year speaking? And it's funny how many people pitch this CEO on speaking for him that have never spoken before and have maybe like bought one or two houses in real estate. And so I want to go back to how I started this whole conversation by saying the only reason I got it was kind of a cool strategic way of getting into his sphere of influence by creating value to him, you know, strategically like drip mailing him. But at the same time, once I got my shot of sitting in front of him, I had five years of industry experience and speaker experience that put me in the position of him being willing to give me a shot. And then I freaking went out there and gave it my everything, killed it for him. And and now, again, I have a a seven-figure year contract with that company. So how that would be duplicatable for anyone listening to this audience is, well, number one, make sure that you've earned the right to be on stage. And then number two, try that strategic move I did of finding the decision maker and emailing them every few days, only, you know, one or two sentences because they're not going to have enough time to read a whole huge email so that you're in the front of their mind as someone they're always thinking of that's creating value for them. And, and that's how I landed my 60 minute meeting. That's crazy. I love that story though. That's great. Okay. One of the things I'm curious about it, if I'm listening to this going, okay, I'm intrigued in doing my own seminar, whether that be, you know, a couple hours or, you know, a half day, or like you said, multiple days, but I'm having trouble figuring out what would I talk about for that long? And let alone that, what would be beneficial to an audience? Is it, should it be just a straight lecture for 27 hours? Should it be more um, breaking them into small groups to work on this? Or like, what is that? What have you found works for you in that format? So in the 27 hours, I'm probably lecture style, 26 of them. And probably we do what I call discussion groups that are five minutes. And I probably do 10 of them, you know, three or four each day. And so, and that's it. And I'm on stage teaching. So to keep an audience engaged because lectures, I mean, that that word scares me. Being on stage and lecturing for 26 hours would probably melt most people's minds. So, so I get them very engaged, you know, ask a lot of questions and I get the audience to participate in a lot of cool ways like Tony Robbins does using NLP and all that stuff to get them to buy in and participate. But the way that I do it is, like I said, I don't know, five, 10 minutes ago is I break it into two and a half hour sections and those sections have a theme. So I'll talk about marketing and then I know what I do for marketing my business. I pick five of my favorite, most effective marketing campaigns, and I teach those five campaigns in two and a half hours. I use slides on a you know a keynote presentation with projectors on a screen. I also have a whiteboard on an easel that I use four different color markers because there's science that says using more than just black, they actually learn better. So I have blue, red, green, and black that I use. So that's one little tip. That's like actual... There's like brain science behind that. So, and so it's a combination of pointing at my slides, just talking like I'm talking now and demonstrating like with diagrams or whatever by drawing them by hand on stage that I do for basically 26 hours. And if I were to just talk straight for 26 hours, I might make it three or four, but because I know, okay, this two and a half hours is marketing and here's what I'm going to cover. And then the next one, okay, this will be specifically focusing on creative financing. And then I pick five of my favorite creative financing strategies like subject to purchases or seller and owner financing or private financing or hard money lenders. And then I'll talk 20 minutes on each times five. There's So it's, it's pretty simple for me because it's so content rich. It is a fulfillment event for the 27 hour one, right? In right, the sense right, right. that they've paid good money to be there, even whether they buy the twenty to fifty thousand dollar package or not, is irrelevant. They've already paid to be in the room, and so I have to over create value for them, right? I got to go above their expectations, and so it's heavy, heavy content. And they're taking pages of notes, and so that's kind of it. Is to create that much content, I have basically four sections a day: two in the morning, two in the afternoon 
times three days. So that's 12 total sections. And of those 12 sections, I picked 12 topics within real estate, like raising money or creative financing or rehabbing a house or buying um, passive income properties. You know, that was five of them right there. And I talk about wholesaling and all that stuff. And, and then just the event gets full. As a matter of fact, it's kind of hard to keep on time, right? Because you can talk about any of those one subjects four days. So to only talk two hours, two and a half hours on rehabbing a house is really not even enough time. So because again, I keep coming back to this because I do this full-time as a professional real estate investor, it's not difficult for me to create the content, even though 27 hours sounds like a lot. To only talk on one subject for two to two and a half hours really isn't even enough time. And then boom, 27 hours is over. I want to transition to talking about how you do the back of the room sales and how you're pitching, especially a premium product. Uh, one thing as we to make that transition that I'm a little curious about is if you are teaching for 27 hours, that's obviously a good amount of content. How is what you are teaching in those 27 hours? It seems like from my perspective, like you'd start to, yes, you cover a lot and maybe there's a little bit left that you haven't touched on or scratched at all. But the bulk of that, are you rehashing that in the training program or how would be what the 27 hours covered different than what the, is in the, the training program? Yeah. So again, at a price of twenty to $50,000, it's more than just like videos online that right. just, you know, rehashes out in more detail what I've talked about. So specific to this, just to answer that question, it's full-blown software that the company paid millions of dollars to develop that's proprietary that you can't get anywhere else. It's one-on-one -on -one coaching, which in a group setting on stage is obviously extremely valuable. But if you've got your first property under contract and you need some questions answered, obviously at the end of Sunday, when I get off stage, I'm gone. But by buying the product, you have that coach, that field expert to field those calls to literally dot your I's and cross your T's for you. So I'm going above and beyond. And I have people tell me all the time, you guys should have charged 10 times what you charged for me to be here. And, and that makes me feel good as a teacher. But within three days in a group setting, there's just honestly not enough to go out there and really start a full-blown real estate business. And that's not that that's a deception. I even stand on stage. That's literally how I open it up, Grant, on Friday morning. I say, you know, I almost always get a haircut like every other week. And I say, hey, you know, my hairstylist, she has her cosmetology license framed. I asked her how long it took to get that. And in the state of California where I live, it's 1,500 hours to be able to then take the state exam to be a licensed cosmetologist. And I said, guys, not to demean, you know, haircutting, but if it takes her 1,500 hours, do you really think you can be a multi-millionaire real estate investor in 27 hours? Sure. And so I get them to buy in immediately that this weekend's not enough. And I say, now in these 27 hours, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to learn more than you thought you would ever in a three-day event. But let's agree that you can't even cut hair. And then I'm always in a hotel when I'm doing this. I'll point towards the front desk and say, the person that's running the front desk had more than 27 hours of training to work at this hotel. So we can all agree that 27 hours is just not enough. And to be completely transparent, it's not. So it's basically a buffet. They get to try 12 different items and then the package is taken to the next level. And so I preface that for anyone, you know, you might say, well, Cole, how do I implement this into what it is I'm selling on stage? I think honesty is the best policy as our parents always taught us and saying, hey, listen, it's not that your money for this weekend wasn't worth it. This is the beginning of 
your next 12, 24, 36 month journey. Yeah. And, you know, this is the first semester of your freshman year of college, but that doesn't mean it wasn't worth it. You just need to continue to go to school until you graduate. And so by setting the audience up, by saying being here, and so, so this is a great thing to take a note on for any of your audience, you know, that's taking notes right now, is to set your audience when you're on stage up by having realistic expectations that you're going to give them your all and that they're going to get way more than they came for, but to acknowledge that there's no career that in 60 minutes you can learn if you're doing a 60-minute keynote. Or in my case, in 27 hours, there's no career you learn in 27 hours. And that this is going to be the best 27 hours invested yet, but it's only the beginning of what will eventually become a 12, 24, 36-month journey, and then ultimately a lifelong journey of learning. And by getting the audience to buy into that within my first hour on stage, it's realistic expectations that they already know by Sunday they need to, you know, either enroll in this product or if it's out of, you know, if they can't swing the 20, 50 grand, need to continue learning on whatever they can afford to do. And I think that that setting it up, that frame, as I would call it, early and if you're only doing a 60 minute keynote within like your first few minutes of you've introduced yourself and now you tell them, you know, you're going to blow their mind in the next 60 minutes, but nothing can be learned in 60 minutes, right? You can learn like how to say hello, where's the bathroom in Spanish in 60 minutes. You're not going to learn the language. And by framing things that way, your audience is happy with what they've received and comfortable knowing they need more. Yeah, that makes total sense. I'm glad you explained all that. Okay. So let's talk about in the few minutes we've got remaining here. Obviously, you're selling something at a very high price point, twenty to $50,000, and it can come all the way down to someone speaking and doing a keynote and at the end selling a $10 book. So what are some things that you have learned along the way in terms of selling from stage where it feels genuine, it feels authentic, it doesn't feel like this bait and switch and it doesn't feel like, ah, you know, the whole thing was just a sales pitch. What are some things that have worked well for you to provide value for the audience, but at the same time, at the end of the day, the part of the goal is to also sell a product. So what have you found that has worked well for you? So I'm going to just say what we just got done talking about is important to start, right? That you've already prefaced and put in their mind that they're going to want more. And then, you know, for a cliff note answer, because this is a big topic that is probably 60 minutes of content in and of itself is I don't actually sell it all. Or, or if you do, you call it selling at 90 degrees. So, hey, buy my book. It'll make you rich. That's selling at zero degrees. But here's an example. I would say, you know, hey, let's pretend, Grant, that you want to be a real estate investor. I'd say, hey, Grant, can you picture and imagine people in your mind that are doing very well in real estate right now? Can you also picture and imagine people who aren't? So when you have those two people in your mind, what do you think the difference is, Grant, between the successful person versus the one that's not succeeding? Was there either A, a lack of opportunity or B, a lack of knowledge? And the obvious answer is, oh, well, B, a lack of knowledge. Of course, there were enough houses, but the person that lost money just didn't know what they were doing. And I would say, okay, Grant, I agree with you. It was a lack of knowledge. And I'm going to just teach from that 90 degrees. So what did I just tell them? I didn't say, hey, you need to buy this book to have the knowledge. I made them, them themselves identify that having knowledge is what creates success. Having lack of knowledge is what creates failure. And I'm going to go on and on and on and say, you know, do you think having money or knowing how to access money is more valuable. Because let's say you've got a million bucks. Well, cool, you buy a couple of rentals, do one rehab, now all your money's tied up, and then the deal of a lifetime lands in your lap. So what would you say? Is it either A, having the money, or B, knowing how to find it that's more valuable? And they would say, well, B, knowing how to find millions if I needed that in my career. And I'd say, oh, you guys are right. So what I'm doing is I'm getting the audience to want what we're selling 
through teaching. I'm teaching them, hey, guy, and that's a fact. So they're not feeling bait and switched because they need to know that even if they have a million bucks, quite honestly, that's not enough to run a real estate business. What's more important is knowing how to raise millions for your transaction. So I'm teaching them things they need to know while positioning my product without saying, oh, and that's what my product does. So what I'm getting them to do is agree that they need education and agree that learning how to raise money is more important than having it, which is what my education teaches and all of that. So then when it comes to the offer, I've just created 19 problems in their mind that they've told me they have. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a lack of knowledge is why people lose money. You need education. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Even though I have some money, knowing how to raise millions is more important. And they've told me what they want. And I've created desire. And then I just go through all those, I call them open loops, all the open loops I've created while teaching to then solve them with, oh, so lack of understanding and knowledge is why people lose money. Well, that's why you have a coach. That's why I have a mentor. And that's why you have this curriculum. Oh, not knowing how to raise money. Okay, cool. Well, that's why we teach you how to raise money. And so I, through the education of actually teaching them valuable content, have positioned my product to solve all the problems. And that's what we call selling at 90 degrees. It's never, hey, buy my book. It's, hey, is knowledge more important or is knowledge what will create success? Cool. And then they on their own will say, oh, and this guy's book is filled with knowledge. If it's a $10 book, just to use your example. And so I think that that's the most important is learning how to position your product as solving real world problems in the training that you've taught. It's not bait and switch. If they don't buy your product, they've learned a ton. Their notes tell them what they need to go and do. Your product would have done it for them, but if they can't afford it, they got to go and do it on their own. But you've at least taught them what needs to be done. And that's basically what I do for 27 hours is teaching them real things, what they need to know. And then, of course, the product solves those problems. Yeah, and I really like the way that you frame this whole thing is that cosmetology thing is a perfect example of, and it's the same thing. I do a lot of live uh, webinars where we're teaching for 60 minutes exactly what you need to do to get started as a speaker and how to find and book speaking engagements and how much to charge and all these things. But like you said, the reality is there's only so much you can cover in those 60 minutes. There's a lot more that we, you know, we haven't even touched on, haven't even scratched the surface on. So, you know, I, I really like that. I assume though that the what you would be pitching in a speaking setting, whether some of it being the price point, some of it being the, whether it's a product or service and what it is, I assume that that would kind of dictate and determine how long that actual pitch would be. Meaning that if you're doing a one hour keynote and selling a $10 book at the end, it's going to look very, very different than if you're doing a 27 hour seminar and you're selling a $20,000 product at the end of it. Yeah, it does. I used to, earlier in my career, do 90 minutes for a $20,000 product. It wasn't 20 to 50, it was just 20 grand, and we would do that in 90 minutes and close the room. So I think that, uh, and I've been to those events a ton, where I'm a consumer of knowledge, right? So I'm not just the guy on stage that sells it, and then I just sit around drinking cocktails. When I'm not on stage, I'm usually sitting in the audience learning, right? Because I'm addicted to learning. And so I go to a lot of events where you have a main stage and then breakout sessions, and in the breakout rooms, whoever's on stage has 90 minutes to teach and pitch and you know they're going to pitch you and if it's valuable or not, right? I just did one where a guy taught me about branding and in his 90 minutes, he taught me some great branding strategies and then his branding package is anywhere from 20,000 for one VIP day. That's it. You get 10 hours with a dude for 20 grand or his all encompassing complete regrand ranges from like 75 to 100 grand. He pitched that whole thing start to finish in 90 minutes and there was a rush to his table in the back of the room. So I know it can be done. Within my 27 hours, you know, a lot of it, it makes it easier to sell the product because I have more time to position it. But if you know what you're doing and have a valuable product or service or whatever it is, benefit that you're giving your audience, I think that 
I mean, I've, I don't think I've seen people go to a six figure sale in just 90 minutes. Now I'll bet you your conversion goes higher the more time you have, but I think it just really becomes around number one, whatever it is you're selling, making sure it's good. And then number two, just really mastering your craft of being able to create that 90 degree angle of problems in the first 60 to 75 minutes. So in your last 30 minutes or however long your keynote is. So when you get to the pitch, people are primed, ready and know that they've, you've created desire, right? Here's one thing I'll close this this thought on is you can't threaten people to do anything. I hear speakers do that all the time. You know, if you don't do this, you're going to be greeting me at Walmart because retirement doesn't work in America today. And so you've got to do this. And if you don't, I'll see you when you're 70 when I walk into Walmart. Like threatening people, even if it's somewhat reality, doesn't work. You can't threaten people into action. You've got to create desire. And so as a broad statement, regardless of whatever industry, product, or service your listeners speak about, you need to make the audience desire more of what you're saying. And that is the only way to get big conversions because threatening people to take action with facts like, you know, here's what social services says about social security and here's this and this. Is, even if they're factual, threatening people doesn't make action. They just feel like crap and don't know what to do. But creating genuine desire or hope for gain in your audience can be accomplished easily in 45 to 60 minutes. And then if your product's good enough, people will buy it. Well said. All right, dude. Well, hey, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to go over that. Like, really, really strong stuff. And I think this is going to be uh, hugely valuable for people. Hey, if people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, some of your speaking career, where can we go? So all my social media is just at Cole Hatter. I've been doing Snapchat a lot lately, trying to get on that because, again, my buddy Gary V's hammering yeah, it. So he is. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even use it till January when he yelled at me. So bottom line is, you know, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, all that's just at Cole Hatter. And then, you know, my big event where I'm putting this all together is attendthrive.com. And so that's basically it. That's the website and any social media. It's just one word, Cole Hatter. You know, we didn't have a chance to touch on that. Let's touch on that real quick. You've got your Thrive Conference that happened this past year. I wasn't able to attend and I heard it was an amazing conference, some really high level entrepreneurial speakers. So why don't you give us the nutshell of what the event is, when it is and where we can find more. Yeah, so the website's attendthrive.com. That's the best place to find out more. But for now, it's October 20th, 29th, and 30th in San Diego, California. And you know we're bringing in huge speakers. Last year, we had Robert Hershevek from Shark Tank, Gary Vaynerchuk, who we've talked a lot about on this talk, and all A-list a speakers across the board. So if you guys want to see amazing speakers, that's a great place to be. And we're having Gary back this year and, and some others that are also big names that don't have contracts yet. So don't actually, I don't know when this will release. So maybe it would be safe to say, but just to be on the safer side, just check out attendthrive.com. You'll see who they are. And it's going to be an awesome three days to just come together and, and learn how to dominate in today's marketplace business and in life from some of the experts in the world on what it is they talk about. Awesome, man. Well, appreciate you sharing that. We'll be sure and link up to that in the show notes as well. So thanks for the time, Cole. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, Grant, man. It's always awesome being on your show. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Cole Hatter, teaching all about how to sell from stage, how he built his career working with another company. So that's uh, just a different angle, different approach. That's one of the cool things about speaking is there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. And so Cole has obviously built a successful speaking business by working with another company and doing a lot of selling from the stage. All right, that wraps up episode 80. We'll catch you next time, my friend. Awesome.